I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to episode, I have no idea, of the <laughs> Leader Post Rider Rumblings podcast. I lost count of the episodes last year, so we're just going to say volume two, episode one. We've made it to a second year, um, and appropriately, uh, our first guest when we launched this podcast last spring was Ariel Zur, and uh, who better to have with us to launch the second season, soon available on DVD, of the, <laughs> of the uh, Leader Post Rider Rumblings podcast, Ariel Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, you're, you're welcome. You're that you know that intro music really gets me in the mood to do some sports casting. Doesn't it's it though? Very like it's very like retro '80s. Like very, I don't know. It feels very like I'm in the mood. I'm ready. It's sort of an invade a country motivational <laughs> music too. So. <laughs> uh, get the spears ready. Uh, what's the name of that song, Mark? Oh, uh, All Star. All Star. All Star. So, very fitting. Um, by Brad Stone. Not by Smash Mouth. Oh. I usually say leader post Philharmonic Orchestra, but it's by somebody named Brad Stones. Hmm. Is that a person or a group? It's a person. Okay. Anyway, let's talk football. Actual all-stars? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a few to discuss. Yes. Um, uh, there's, there's a few things, I think, that rise to the top when we're trying to evaluate the topicality of certain things pertaining to the Rough Riders. Uh, freshest news is that Jordan Williams-Lambert will be heading somewhere in the National Football League by the sounds of things. Um, I just got out of bed, and you're more attuned to things that are, that are going on. Uh, what's what's your take on the Jordan Williams-Lambert situation? Well, I mean, I can't th- – given that he had given – I think it was about four workouts to four teams. I think it was the Lions, the Bears, the Patriots, and the Giants, um, and that he had to file a grievance in order to get the right to be able to do that. Um, I don't think it's surprising that he's getting this, this NFL opportunity. He uh, signed a contract with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders before they brought back the NFL option window, allowing – players in their second year to go to the NFL he put in a grievance and he was basically he essentially created his own option uh, by winning that grievance and and so now he's getting the opportunity he's the size that you expect an NFL receiver to be he had a heck of a season he has really strong hands that was something when you asked Zach Kalaros about Jordan Williams Lambert he always talked about his hands and he's a hands catcher and he had very sure hands. And I a hundred percent agree with that. And uh, it, it sucks for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, obviously their most outstanding rookie, their top receiver, arguably, I think not in yards, but in yards plus touchdowns. Um, but couldn't happen to a nicer person, I would say. And I'm really happy for Jordan Williams Lambert, the football player to get an opportunity like this. Well, I remember these numbers didn't knock you out, but that's symptomatic. I think of playing in yes. in an offense where the numbers didn't knock you out. Now I was, I'm also reminded of Dontrell Inman. He played a couple of seasons with the Toronto Argonauts and had very comparable stats. Mm. Didn't set the Canadian football league on fire. His stats were, were quite similar to those of Jordan Williams Lambert. And Dontrell Inman is still in the National Football League and is still making contributions, as you can see by watching the watching the playoffs. So it, you don't have to be a 1,500-yard receiver in the uh, CFL to get your chance down south, although it doesn't hurt in the case of Duke Williams you or did, Brandon yes. Zilstra the year yeah. before. But uh, I think this is a player who they saw a lot of potential in as opposed to somebody who's, oh, he's he's burned up the CFL Time to give him a look. And he had NFL looks before he came to the CFL as well. He, I think, was with the Saints for a little while and got an opportunity. Then he got injured and got an injury settlement. And that's kind of how he ended up in the CFL. And and he tweeted just a couple of days ago, you know, at this time last year, he was just begging for an opportunity. And now here he is on the cusp of signing with uh, an NFL team. It will be really interesting to see where he goes. But um, he is kind of the... 
he, he's a, a guy that's really easy to root for because he's always been very humble. Um, he's been through a lot in his life. He lost his mom in the last year. Um, and, uh, and, and I think he's someone that I think he could really stick, unfortunately, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the CFL probably as a whole, someone who could really stick in the NFL. Um, worth noting, though, that if he doesn't stick in the NFL uh, because of how the way the option window works, if he were to come back to the CFL, he has to come back to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which is not the case with the free agents when they get released like Samuel Oguavin uh, or Alex Singleton or even Duke Williams. They don't have to come back to their teams. So what of the receiving core? Yeah, what of the <laughs> receiving core that, you know, wasn't, you know, it's so interesting when you started the you started training camp thinking this is the best receiving core in the CFL, right? Yeah. You had Deron Carter, you had Rob Bag, you had Chad Owens, you you know you had Bakari Grant, um, and you thought, how are any of these rookies ever going to crack this incredible roster? And then you pick up, you know, Jordan Williams, Lambert, and Shaquille uh, Sha- uh, Evans, and, and Kyron Moore came on later in the season. And, and it's not that they were bad receivers; it's just that they were rookie receivers. And I don't think that that helped the situation with the Saskatchewan offense. Um, not having those reliable veteran experiences. The things that you don't see, I think, sometimes as a fan watching or, or even as a reporter watching, I think, is is um, how many times did the rookie receivers get their route wrong? How did they, how many times did they not finish the route? And it, it, it's not to take anything away from their talent because they were very obviously talented receivers. But, um, yeah, it does leave a big question mark because Naaman Roosevelt is a free agent. Um, so that leaves a hole. Who knows if he's going to be back? And and Jordan Williams Lambert was that, you know, that guy. He was the reliable set of hands. Naaman Roosevelt was in and out of the lineup during the season with various injuries and I think a concussion. And, and so you lose, I think, that steady pair of hands that the quarterbacks at Kolaros or Brandon Bridge really learned to depend on. And you go from leading the league in touchdown passes to having the fewest. Mm-hmm. In one year, and who knows how much of that to ascribe to the quarterbacking or lack thereof, or the creativity uh, of the offensive exactly. coordinator. <laughs> so uh, you wonder to what extent can you look at the receiving core and say that's not a very good receiving core based upon the numbers when there's got to be other contributing factors and. But uh, not what for, they needed. I think they have to look for some experience in the receiving core. I mean, I think um, I don't think Rob Bag is going to be back. I think it's questionable whether or not Naaman Roosevelt is going to be back. Um, and so, I but I think they need to look for some experience somewhere around the league and and find someone that's going to be that standout receiver for them. Because even though the receiving core was able to get by and the Rough Riders, you know, did a serviceable job certainly on offense, if certainly not an All Star job, but a serviceable job on offense, they still were missing that person that can burn you at a high speed right they were missing the kind of Brandon Banks type receiver that could really just get going and keep going right yeah. and, and no one would ever catch you and there's a little bit of that maybe there's a that in Marcus Thigpen but he's a running back a little bit of that maybe in, in Chiron Moore but um, I think that that's something that they're going to have to look for in in during this offseason and in free agency and you look around and the Edmonton Eskimos are now looking mm. for somebody to replace Duke Williams so uh, if, if there are premium receivers out there well, there's a little more competition now. And the Saskatchewan Rovers have to spend money on a quarterback, let's be frank. Yeah, spend money wisely on a quarterback. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they did it last year. Um, the, I guess one of the one of the questions is still swirling around is what about Chris Jones? Yeah. Uh, there's been, been reports that, uh, that uh, NFL teams, or at least 
what what was the expression? Vetting is the word, kind of like the kicking the tires. The tires. And, and we talked uh, on the Green Zone with uh, Jason Lackenfora. He was the uh, NFL reporter for CBS Sports that kind of put it out to begin with. And he said the reason he got the name was he, he will ask GMs in the offseason, what's a name I've never heard of that you're kind of looking at? And he said these lists often at the end of the season, they start at 20 to 25 names, and then they start vetting all of the names, and they whittle them down to a number that they feel like they can interview. And so where Chris Jones is in that process if he's been dropped off list, but he said that there was at least two teams that he knew of that were looking and vetting Chris Jones. That includes talking to people who have worked with him in the CFL before, maybe when he was coaching in college, people that know him and kind of going from there. And he said, if it, he says, it's not sure if it's going to translate to an interview this year, but it certainly would keep him on the radar for next year um, and, and going forward from there. So it would certainly put the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in quite the conundrum, not just because they would be losing their head coach, but because he wears all of these hats, you're losing your vice president of football operations. You're learning your, you're losing your general manager also losing your defensive coordinator so I think if Chris Jones was going to leave the Saskatchewan Rough Riders it's got to be soon it's got to be you know crap or get off the pot because there's a lot of roles that they would have to try to fill in a very short period of time heading into free agency heading into a, a questionable training camp with a collective bargaining agreement being up in the air there's so many things that they would have to try to figure out that you'd have to think that there's a window in which he would be able to leave if he'd be able to leave at all he is under contract but you'd think there has to be a window in which he would be allowed to leave. And once that window closes, it's next year country. And we're still wondering about next year country with respect to Chris Jones's contract. The presumption is that they would want to extend his deal by at least a year to prevent the lame duck syndrome Certainly. from uh, taking effect or, or being a factor in 2019. Uh, so there's that. They've, they've apparently signed Paul Jones to handle their player personnel. No announcement on that. No announcement regarding their what their actual coaching staff will be. So the, until there's some clarity yeah. coming from the upper level of of the Rough Riders, yeah, there's so much that's speculative about what direction they're headed in administratively and philosophically. And if you're Chris Jones and you're hearing the rumors that and and your friends are being you know people that you used to work with and friends friends of yours are being reached out for NFL teams, what's your incentive to sign a contract yeah. extension if your ultimate goal is to go to the NFL and coach in the NFL? Which I would say that most like most players, most coaches would want that opportunity in their career, and that's just normal and natural. Um, what is the incentive for Chris Jones to come back to Saskatchewan if that opportunity in the in the NFL is presenting itself? And so more than whether or not Saskatchewan is going to offer Chris Jones a contract extension, and I think it would be, given the circumstances over the last three years, prudent for them to do so, would he be willing to sign one at this point, or would he want to kind of see what develops with the NFL over the next little while and not be locked into a contract if that opportunity presents itself? And coincident to all of that are discussions, I presume, on where the 2020 Great Cup should be held. The right. CFL is holding its uh, GM me- meetings, GM's meetings, meetings this week in Montreal, or Mont-Tremblant, Quebec. Did I pronounce that right? Um, <laughs> near Montreal, <laughs> they always, in they Quebec. Always ho- they always hosted in really nice, like last year was in Banff. They always uh, host them in really nice locations. They'll never be in like Regina, Saskatchewan or no, anything like that. We don't have any mountains, apparently. So, Well, there is the uh, Douglas Park Hill. <laughs> and uh, the, the one of these days they're going get to get around to announcing who is playing host of the 2020 Grey Cup. That's where things get interesting because mm-hmm. if, suppose that it's Saskatchewan, Montreal and Hamilton are apparently the other parties that have, have at least indicated some interest there. Suppose it's Saskatchewan. If they announce that they're getting the 2020 Grey Cup, I think one of the first things they're going to want to do is know what their football operations right. staff is going to look like. Now, do you, can you get Chris Jones to sign 
through 2020 when there's questions about how soon might he be going to the National Football League. And he's, he's pretty much done everything you can do in the Canadian mm-hmm. Football League. It's pretty hard to begrudge him uh, from going. But those interests may collide. Chris Jones wanting to leave his options open and the Rough Riders wanting some semblance of security through 2020 so that they know what they're, what they're building toward. There can be windows and everything yep. that allow one to escape, as I'm sure you'd like to do right now. There's a window <laughs> right there. But uh, um, how do they... How do they reconcile. make sure? How yeah. do they reconcile those two? How do they yeah. do they jive? Are they compatible? I'm not sure they are. And it's going to be really difficult because you do want to you want to field a, a competitive team going you know going into the year that you're hosting the Grey Cup. You don't want to be the Edmonton Eskimos and miss the playoffs entirely the year that you're hosting. And so you're right. There needs to be clarity. There needs to be someone in control, and there needs to be someone working towards the plan. And 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 that plan almost if if they get it for 2020, that plan almost has to start in 2019, doesn't it? It has to start as soon as the collective bargaining agreement has been reached between the PA and and the league because you need to start building up your roster and and, and building up your budgets and every all of those things behind the scenes that the football operations folks do that is way beyond what I can even comprehend. All of those things need to start getting laid. The foundation needs to be laid for all of those things starting in 2019 so that they can be competitive in 2020. If you if you look at the the way the Rough Riders were building towards 2013, that didn't start in you know, that started years before that didn't start but they started it in 2012 really in earnest i would say and you look at as well the cba and the time it, yeah. the timing of its expiration which will be in may free agency period begins february 12th so we're talking about a lot of schedules that really aren't jiving right now what if February twelfth comes and goes, and all the marquee players are waiting to see what the salary cap is and going I would, to be? They would be. I would be shocked if they weren't. So what happens to the, February twelfth? Does that is that crickets chirping when it should be an absolute uh, buzz of activity? It, it's going to be an interesting day if they can't get this deal done by February twelfth, and I'd be very surprised if they would uh, be able to. The players don't have any leverage. This time of year. And the players don't seem that interested in signing free agent contracts when the CBA hasn't been. I mean, everything that you've seen, the way they've been communicating on Twitter and and some of the players have been talking on Twitter, they don't really, they're like, we're really going to go through free agency on February 12th and we have no idea what the collective bargaining agreement is. We have no idea if training camp is going to start on time, depending on, you know, how negotiations between the league and the PA go. So it's it's going to be a really tumultuous time. And I would be shocked if we saw a ton of signings. I mean, I think we might see some of the more, um, more of the minor players in the CFL maybe lock up contracts because those are the people that might be on the bubble on whether or not they're going to be playing in the league. But I don't expect to see any big names, including probably quarterbacks. Uh, and there are quite a few free agent quarterbacks. I think five or six of them, um, including Mike Riley, Bo Levi Mitchell, Trevor Harris, big names, right? Um, Jonathan Jennings is going to attract some interest. Exactly. And I think he also got an NFL workout as well. So that adds an interesting wrinkle into it. But I don't see any of those guys, especially the quarterbacks who command the large salaries in the CFL, um, signing anything until they know really what the ceiling is going to be. And and they're going to set the market. Absolutely. Uh, It's just going to be... And this happened in 2014, and, and free agents still got signed. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 free, the uh, free agency deadline came and went, and there was still a lot of movement. And then come spring, they finally got a CBA done. But this this one seems to have so many different There's dynamics. There's so many free agents, too. There are so many free agents. I think there was an average of 28 free agents a team or something like that. It was a while ago that I did the math, but there's so many. There's 
there's so many players that are up for grabs and, and so many futures that are kind of hanging in the balance with the CBA and free agency and all of that stuff. And then add into the new leagues that are starting up, the AAF and the XFL is coming and, and all of these things. And never mind that players want these NFL opportunities. And I think we're seeing it in a lot of ways a, a, a season, an offseason like we've not seen in a long time as far as uh, CFL players going to the NFL. And, it, and it's just this perfect storm of, I think, uncertainty around the league right now. And and amid all this, they're going to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> is like whatever I wonder, reason. And I wonder what the PA thinks about that. You know, and, and you've got all of the, you've already got the ratio between the American players and the Canadian players. How are you going to work in, you know, how are you going to work in a Mexican player? Rumors are that there's going to be one player per team. Uh, how does that work into the ratio? Those are the answers that we don't have. And Randy Ambrosi was talking to, I think it was Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun about Germany being interested in a lot of these European leagues and that they're talking with, about partnerships with Europe. So it's really, I'm, I'm really intrigued with the direction that Randy Ambrosi seems to want to be taking the CFL, um, making it less C, like less Canadian or... I'm I'm really, I I, I don't know. And I I would be interested to hear more about what his plan to grow the game is, but still keep it, you know, at at its core, what we want it to be. And that's Canadian football. And how widely does, is is the league represented in Canada? There's all sorts of talk, obviously, about the Atlantic Schooners. Mm -hmm. As far as last time I checked, there was nothing even resembling a stadium there. Yet there's talk that Eric Tillman is already their their guy as as far as laying the, foundation but there's been nothing tangible as far as moving ahead with a stadium and when is that expansion draft going to happen and and when are these teams going to have to start worrying about and and that's another thing that could be a wrinkle for a 2020 gray cup certainly is is when are the schooners coming into the league and and how is that going to affect the talent that's in the cfl because we know there'll be a dispersal draft there will be an expansion draft and and then teams have to prepare for that as well so i mean there's so many things coming up and and some of them are very exciting things certainly but lots and lots of question marks in the league right now and if a bunch of your players if at least half your roster is on one year contracts how do you have an expansion draft when you don't hold the rights to a bunch of these players and those are the guys that you don't protect and i mean <laughs> it gets and so I'm, goofy it, I, I don't understand and i don't like the one year i don't like the one year contracts i guess it's a little bit player friendly in the sense that they are able to pursue easily pursue these nfl opportunities and stuff but i think of like long-term um, lo- like longevity for the CFL teams. And, and I think about, uh, you know, having these guys that stick around on your team for a long time and what that does for the fan base, right? Like one of the number one questions that I got in the last, I would say, well, since Chris Jones came really is who sh- whose jersey should I get? Like who's going to be here? And quite frankly, I never know who's going to be here because every once in a while he-, he surprises even me by, you know, cutting Jerome Carter in the middle of August yeah. or, or you know what I mean? And, and people that I think are safe, I-, I don't I don't have the answer. Often I recommend, and someone like a Willie Jefferson, but even he's Can't still Can't go wrong playing. with George Reed. And, and that's what I mean. And, and that's kind of the thing. You kind of have to, I think you kind of have to go, if, if you're going to be safe with a jersey pick, you're going to have to go retro. But that's the difference between back then and now is that there's so much movement now. And so how do you how do you establish a, a marquee player, a franchise player, when players are moving around so much? And where's the incentive for the players to agree to take the one-year contracts and, and wash them away because in essence they're always playing on one-year contracts anyways look at Derek Dennis signs with the Rough sure. Riders in 2017 multi-year deal while they just flush it after a year so it's always been at the at the pleasure of the teams that the players are in, in the players that are employed for with a team for more than one year Weston Dressler signs a four-year contract 
kaboom. So John Chick. So the players can sign a contract in good faith for multi years. There's no guarantee multiple years. There's no guarantee that they're going to play the with, with that team for the duration of the contract. In fact, that's likely not going to happen. So they've got to build in an incentive for the players to want to sign for more than one year if uh, if the one year contracts are going to remain. And I can't see why the players would give that up because it gives them freedom of movement. It gives them the ability to capitalize on a good year. If you're on a multi-year contract and you have a bad year, the team's probably going to ask you to renegotiate it or cut you anyway. And if you have a good year, you're probably locked in at a salary that isn't commensurate with your current uh, standing within the league. So where's the incentive for the players to serve up that one-year contract? And, and Because it doesn't work to their benefit to sign for, for two or three years. They might It might factor into a nicer bonus at the start, but... Or or maybe you don't like the head coach. Maybe yeah. you don't like the direction that the team is going in. Maybe you don't like the way that the team is is using you. And, and we've heard that, you know, over the years from players that they're not happy with the plans that the team had for them or how they were being used. And, and so you're able to, under a one-year deal, know that it's not permanent, right? That you can have a year where you don't jive with the head coach or jive with the vision of the team. And you can find a team that might appreciate you more. And I think that that's attractive to players I mean in your in regular life if you're in a job where you don't feel like you like your boss or or you don't feel like you're comfortable you can leave that job and find a new job and 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 that's I think you know attractive to athletes as well and you get players who get caught up in the in the change of of football operations Mm -hmm. Weston Dressler signed the four-year contract with Brendan Tamman there's no way on earth that Brendan Tamman would have cut Weston Dressler they would have renegotiated that contract John Chick didn't play for market value in 2013. Mm-hmm. The understanding being that in, con- in 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 contracts beyond 2013, they would make it up to him financially. Right. But then Chris they Jones changed. come in, yeah. and the gentleman's agreement is washed away, and goodbye, John Chick. Right. And so you get these players who take no one for the team. Right? And what good did it do them? They got great cup rings. That was nice. But what good did it do Western Dressler and John Chick financially to 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 uh, to make? commitments to this football team yeah the management changes and everything's wiped clean yeah and there is no guarantees and it's interesting because there's no there are guarantees for the people who wash away you know those contracts right the coaches the general managers if you are going to let them go they're probably getting paid for the duration of their contract and and that's one of the things that is you know why a lot of people applauded Darian Durant for taking his signing bonus and and retiring, right? Yeah. Lots of people were in Winnipeg were mad at him for doing that, but that's exactly you know that's almost like flipping the coin. That's something that the players don't often get to do. Often they lose out on money that they were supposed to be guaranteed by a team, right? And so it's it's very interesting in that regard. And I also think it's very interesting because. In speaking in contracts, I don't know how many people saw Ed Gainey tweet earlier uh, earlier this weekend, but he tweeted about how it was interesting that coaches are able to interview for NFL opportunities or perhaps pursue NFL opportunities, but players under contract, uh, unless you are in an option year like Jordan Williams Lambert or another rookie, they can't pursue their NFL opportunities. He couldn't go to a workout if a team wanted to work him out because he's in the middle of a contract through 2019, but his head coach 
could go probably interview for an NFL job. And this is, you know, you're getting the players who are speaking out a lot about the inequities in the system. Mm -hmm. And they sort of started hinting at that and, and making some noise about that in 2014 mm -hmm. before the CBA was was negotiated, not to the satisfaction of most players. But you're seeing now that a lot of the players are saying, okay, well, why is there this double standard? And, and that's one of the reasons why the football operations salary cap is right. now in effect. And I wonder, you know, if the league put that forward as sort of an olive branch mm -hmm. to the players and if they're sincere about it or if they're putting that forward saying okay we'll use this as a negotiating ploy say okay see we've we've got these salaries under right. control so now players you've got to work within certain parameters we're we're, we're trying to control this and then once you get negotiate a, a cba then the, the cfl is free to say okay so much for the football operations salary cap it's oh, it's open season again. And the other thing that we're seeing a lot of is players complaining because the CFL told the players they weren't going to get paid their off-season bonuses. And there's a lot of players that struggle to find employment in the off-season. They go back to the States and they're going to be coming back to Canada in like six months. So who's going to hire, you know, who's going to hire a, a person who they know isn't going to be in the job in six months because they're going back to Canada to play football. And so not only have they taken away, you know, not only do they get paid in Canadian dollars, which dropped significantly, they know that going in. And and I'm not saying that that's a reason not to play in the CFL, but now the CFL has said you don't get your off-season signing bonus, which is something that a lot of players depend on to kind of bridge the gap between the end of the season in November and the start of, you know, the start of the season in June. And, and that's been taken away because of the collective bargaining agreement. So there's a lot of players that are, that are unhappy with the way they're being treated in the league right now. And, and in some ways a blessing um they're they're getting noticed more in the in the nfl and so they're looking at those opportunities a lot more seriously yeah, and the players should be unhappy and i'm glad they're unhappy yeah. and that might i don't wish any ill will upon them but this is the kind of mindset that i think the players have needed to mm -hmm. have for, for the longest time it's, it, the, the equation has been weighted so heavily in favor of coaches general managers Executives. Uh, it's, it's, uh, executives. Yeah. And uh, now the, the coaches and the GMs will say, well, we don't have a union. We don't necessarily have benefits. There's, there's things that the players possess as a result of the CBA that, right. the player, that, the, that the football operations people don't. But it's still been a pretty coach-friendly situation. The CFL comes to the players in 2015 and says, well, this is what the best we mm -hmm. can do. We'll have a nominal increase mm -hmm. in the salary cap each year. And then they Rough Riders buy out uh, Brendan Tamman and Corey Chamberlain for seven figures. So they've got the money. It's just, they just haven't chosen to spend enough of it on the players over the years. And the players rightfully are saying, we want our share. Mm -hmm. Now, can this all be resolved by February 12th? And if so, do you have to go to Mexico to have the negotiating session? <laughs> well, you might as well go to Mexico. I'm sure everyone would be a little more happy on a beach and an all-inclusive with a, you know, a little drink with an umbrella in it in their hands. But uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what free agency and I come back to it what free agency is going to look like if a collective bargaining agreement is going to be solved and and the the you know the PA has indicated there's kind of two big areas that they're they're looking at and one is pay one is you know pay and the other one is long-term health of the players and this is a big thing that they've been harping on for quite a, quite some time but you look at what happened to Jonathan Hefney who hurt his neck in a game and he still can't properly hold his child in one arm right and 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 you get a year and then it you're done. You're cut yeah. off. And he's got to go fund me. I mean, this is the thing that the CFLPA is trying to help players through, that they should be covered for longer-term health benefits. And this is part of the reason why I think you're seeing, you know, some players sign with the AAF is they have health benefits in the AAF. And so they know that they're going to be taken care of if something were to happen to them. And so I think even more than the pay, 
I think this is going to be a sticking point for the for, for the negotiations. So the bottom line is that there's really nothing going on and nothing to talk about. <laughs> no, no issues worth discussing. It's a, a crazy time. I, I can't think of an off-season that... And I'm really old. <laughs> I can't think of an off-season that is going to be as interesting. So many as it, it's just It goes in so many directions. I mean, we haven't even discussed, or only in passing, Paul Jones. Right. That's massive yep. for the Rough Riders. John Murphy... Uh, was a he helped build a team right. that went from five to ten to twelve victories and was a pretty important part of of what they did and was also part of the uh, contract negotiations in a lot of cases mm-hmm. when Zach Evans signed a new deal John Murphy was one of the people he mentioned yep. as, as someone gone. who had, who had uh, contributed who had been part of that process of re-signing Zach Evans which is pretty important and the reason that Josh Bartell is back with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and and not selling I think he was selling was he selling tires or working construction in Australia was John Murphy sent him a Facebook message and said hey you want to start punting again and he was like yeah this real job working this is for this is for chumps i don't want that i'm gonna come back and play football but this is this thank is, goodness for josh bartell's presence anywhere yes exactly <laughs> and that is like legitimately how i feel but i mean yeah he had a big he had a big role in what the rough riders were going to be able to do so it'll be interesting to see um how that changes now with a different person at the helm and a different way of doing it yes. paul jones won't be as visible as John Murphy was, I don't think he'll spend. I mean, he's barely visible in Edmonton, and right. look at the contributions he made. I tried to find a photo of, of Paul Jones when uh, it was reported Boarded. that uh, he was coming to Saskatchewan, and the most recent photo I could find was like 2008 or something oh, wow. on the on the Edmonton Journal's right. photo database. I mean, rarely seen, rarely photographed, but you look at the rosters yep. that the Edmonton Eskimos have had. And Winnipeg mm-hmm. had before that, and Paul Jones is a tremendous player personnel man. But this is a different structure. It's not going to be a, a assistant vice president type right. thing. I don't think he John Murphy's. I think uh, utilization was different. So how does that work administratively within the Rough Riders? How does that fit within the cap? We'll never really know because we'll never see those figures. Right. But uh, interesting development, and that's but. From a player personnel standpoint, to get a Paul Jones when you're trying to replace John Murphy, right. that's a pretty huge void and a pretty huge apparent signing. And especially now when you think there's going to be some there, – there's some question marks about Chris Jones's future, right? And and being able – and he is the general manager. He is the vice president of football operations. He is the head coach. He is the defensive coordinator. And if he leaves for an NFL opportunity – it becomes an even bigger pickup, I think, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to have someone like Paul jo- of Paul Jones's caliber to be able to step into one of those roles, and it, probably with a lot more ease than going out and making a big search for that person. I think we've used up most of our allotted time. <laughs> Actually, we don't really have a time limit, so we just go as long as we want. Mark, are we done? Uh, you're at 30 minutes, right? Okay, I think oh, we're well done. Well, it's been 30 minutes, so I need a meal. <laughs> I can't go this long Stick without eating. Rob. He's finished. <laughs> Uh, Ariel, anything you'd like to say, say in uh, any other final thoughts before we, uh, I mercifully am allow I you to get have, on with uh, your day? Am I supposed to have final thoughts now? I feel like I'm on the hot seat. You have to change the world in 30 seconds with something that's so profound. No? No, I don't okay. got it. I don't got it. Have uh, a Diet Coke with lunch. <laughs> Ariel, uh, for those of you uh, who require some illumination, and I presume you don't, if you follow the Rough Riders, Ariel is a rider reporter for CKOM, CJME, the Green Zone, and uh, a tremendous a professional and a tremendous person and we're so glad you're with us today because nobody's going to watch this <laughs> it's just me <laughs> i'm so happy to be here and happy to join you and uh i forget my name at the moment but that's ariel zur 
Uh, oh, I have to read. Mark always points at me because I forget to read this thing. Uh, please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. It helps us grow the podcast. Uh, unfortunately, the podcaster has also grown in this case, so hopefully there's a... Uh, oh, yes. Uh, if you have any questions you'd like us to answer, please send uh, send me an email. It's rvanstone at uh, postmedia.com. That's rvanstone at postmedia.com. Or send me a note on Twitter. Uh, it's at Rob Vanstone. And uh, that's enough housekeeping for the day. Ariel, thanks again. Yeah, happy, happy to do it. And uh, happy New Year, everyone. We'll do this again the next week. We're going to do this throughout the winter, and hopefully there's less one less chin each week as I try to fix myself. For Ariel, I'm Rob. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care.